0: You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Good morning, Thrive. It's good to be here. Well, not in person, as you can see, and I'll explain. Uh, This last week, we um, had a wonderful time, uh, the 12 of us who went to Passion in Atlanta, Georgia, where 55,000 college students gathered at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium for uh, a great time of exhortation and growth and worship and um, <clears throat> challenge. And it was wonderfully inspiring and at the same time totally exhausting. And when I got home on a Tuesday night at nine o'clock, um, things were fine, I felt pretty good. Um, by Wednesday evening, my health, my, uh, I started to have a cold of some type, <clears throat> and then it just kept, kept progressing. And so um, either I have a cold, I may have um, a mild case of the flu, or it could be a breakthrough case of COVID from the Omicron variant. You never thought you'd have to learn the Greek alphabet and how to even pronounce a word like Omicron before, but now we are. <laughs> it's pretty uh, amazing. So uh, I decided to record the message in, in advance. Um, actually, early Sunday morning here, I'm in Unit 3, and uh, to not be present because I didn't want my health or what I might have to impact anyone in the congregation. That does mean also that our... Uh, hangout tonight is canceled and next week hopefully we'll have it and i'm hoping that even as this is being uh presented on sunday morning or sometime today i'll be able to find a place where i can get tested to see if i do have covid anyways thank you so much for understanding the situation and i hope you all are doing well staying healthy please pray As uh, we've mentioned on our prayer chain for Jeff Blankenship, one of our members who does have COVID and has been in the ICU this week. So um, hopefully he's getting out today from the ICU and uh, keep on praying. So in this series, we're focusing on the new normal and welcome to it. Here 2022 has already started in a way I never expected. And now we're going to face many situations in 2022 we never expect. We're never quite sure what the future is going to bring. And we are definitely not going back to, quote, the way things were. So um, what do we need to know in this, quote, new normal? That's kind of what this series has been all about. We started it last week. Carl did a great job on that. And this week uh, we continue with a passage from Philippians chapter 2. You can follow along, by the way, in the um, Bible uh, app. There are notes for this there, the outline as well as the quotes that I may make in the Bible passages. So Philippians 3, 7 to 11. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. From this text, we're going to learn these three points. The revaluation of all values, number one. Number two, the righteousness that matters. And number three, the relationships that last. First of all, the revaluation of all values. Paul says it this way in uh, Philippians 3, 7 to 8, as we read, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now, Paul doesn't just say that he considers things that used to be good on his list of priorities, on his values, number one, two, three, four, five. Now are going to be pushed down a few notches, and number one is Jesus, number two is this, number three is that, number four is that. No, it's not like a football ranking where, oop, the team had a loss, and now we're just gonna move them down a few steps. No, not at all. Paul is saying anything that I considered good Not the bad things in my life, but the good that I was doing are considered garbage. And the word, as I preached before, many of you know, you probably already have said it or to yourself. You could say it aloud with me. It's the Greek word skubalon, which is another word for manure, garbage. You can come up with other words that say it. It is a very graphic word. And you can think of the worst smelling putrid thing you can, and you've got close to what skubalon is. And that's what he is saying. Now, what are the things that Paul said he now considers loss? Okay? What are those things that were once considered good and now considered scubalon? And he actually mentions a number of them right before this in this text in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. He writes, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. These things were great. Anybody would want them, especially anyone from Israel in Paul's day, Israel thought all these things would be amazing. Paul was at the top of the top of personal piety and righteousness. You know, circumcision. That was something that was commanded by God. It's a good thing. And Paul says, no, not anymore. Being of the tribe of Benjamin, he was one of the two, of the two tribes that never left or forsake, uh, had forsaken the king in the line of David. Being a Pharisee, that is, a uh, pious, conscientious, law abiding, trying to take all the rules of the law and placing them into his life, not just at the temple or in these circumstances, but in every day. And as his zeal, he moved him to. To persecute, it says, the church, which meant he was going after anyone who was lax on the law or who seemed to be violating the truths of the law in one form or another. And then he says, as to the law itself, blameless, of the 613 commands in the Pentateuch, the first five books, the books of Moses, he, no one could find fault in him not keeping them all. I'm nowhere near any of that. You can find fault with me all over the place. I'm not blameless. I would not be... Pastors are... No, uh, no one, right? No one is blameless. I know very few people who are even close to where Paul was. And Paul wasn't doing anything in this passage but telling the truth about his life. He wasn't trying to boast about this. In fact... Some would say, if, he wanted, if you wanted to find someone who could base their own righteousness, their own standing on theology, on morality, on personality, it was Paul. But then, what changed this all was when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. When Jesus encountered Paul on that road, when Paul was going after some more heretics in Damascus, Jesus encounters Paul on the road, and at that moment, Paul realizes he meets the one who is perfect in his theology, morality, and personality. And he sees and he finds the fact that he isn't anywhere near, even though on a human standard Uh, Compared to all other human beings, he may be at the pinnacle, and at the peak, it was just a molehill compared to the mountain of God's righteousness. He found he was at fault, actually, in his law-keeping, that he missed the main point of why one would keep the law. And when he met Jesus, Jesus didn't condemn him on the spot. He didn't smite him. Yes, he blinded him. For a few days to get him to think about things. But all that Jesus said was, Paul, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus. And as Paul was blinded for those days in silence and fasting, I I have a hunch he was questioning. Why didn't he just kill me? Why didn't he just rub me out? Why didn't he just smite me and get me out of the way? Why didn't he just condemn me and put me to death? And the only answer is grace. When he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he met a God of grace that went well beyond, quote, the keeping of the law. As a result of God's grace, a result of God's forgiveness in Christ, Paul revalued all his values. Everything was tossed out and thrown away as garbage. And all he wanted to know was Jesus Christ. It was his righteousness that matters. That's our second point, the righteousness that matters. Now that word righteousness, it's, it's religious jargon. I know. Most people don't ever use the word righteous or righteousness in their daily life. You don't hear a lot of people going like, oh, that's righteous. Maybe once in a while if they want to be a little different. But I'll tell you, everybody's searching for it. Everybody's looking for righteousness. David Zoll, in his book called Seculosity, and we've done a series on this, I think a couple of years ago. Seculosity, he, he discovered... That righteousness is running through many of the pursuits that human beings are doing. That we are always in church. And once, we may be less religious, but we are spiritual. And we are always under the law in one form or another, weaving through our lives, trying to find something that completes us, something that makes life worthwhile, something that validates us. He writes in his book, If you want to understand what makes someone tick or why they've behaved the way they do, Trace the righteousness in play and things will likely become clear. Your colleague who can't stop working, odds are she equates busyness with worthiness. Your perpetually single friend who can't seem to find someone who measures up to his standards, it could be that he's looking to another person to complete him, to make him feel like he's enough. Whatever that is, whatever you're looking for to complete you, to feel like enough, to validate you, to approve of you. That is your righteousness. Paul was pursuing a righteousness based on his religion, keeping the law, his personal piety, and he was pretty good at that. But what he discovered, he wasn't worshiping God. He was worshiping his own morality and goodness. Look at how good I am worshiping God. He wasn't pursuing God's will. <sighs> he was trying to show how wonderfully willful he was in following God. He wasn't s- far off. He was close, but so close and yet so far. And that's why he says all the things that he considered were good are now considered manure, scubalon. They cannot give a righteousness that lasts. They all fail. Let's put it this way. If you want to base your worthiness, your worthwhileness on your job performance, it'll work for a while. It won't last. It only lasts as long as you're better than most. You're on top of your game. You keep getting improvements and awards yearly for your performance performance. Well, what happens when that doesn't happen? And if your appearance is your righteousness, you're only good as long as you are attractive to others and people validate your appearance. And what's so amazing is how insecure we are about any of these forms of righteousness that we are pursuing in this world. But I'll tell you, one of the most difficult righteousness to get over is not Appearance, it's not money. It's not uh, Popularity, though a lot of people are pursuing these things. It's not um, Grades, it's not work ethics Those are being pursued, but one of the most difficult to withdraw from an individual to remove to put to death in an individual is religion and that's the one that Paul was following because it is so close it's so close, just off of the target, and we look so good to ourselves. We think, man, I've been praying a lot. Man, I, I, I'm pretty good, close with God. I'm pretty close to the target. I am sincere. I am uh, pious. I have a decent faith level, and we keep checking that. Our track record seems pretty good. We've done a lot of things. You can keep Record of all sorts of stuff that you've given away and how you've helped people, etc. Paul absolutely had all of that. But what's interesting about religion more than maybe others, but all forms of self-righteousness do this, is it blinds you and binds you. It blinds you to the truth. And so Paul actually was blind morally before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was already blind to the reality of his life. He couldn't see himself, and he couldn't see God. And he was bound. He was bound to fail. He was bound to keep trying. He was bound to the law in such a way that he was a slave to the law, and he didn't realize it. Jonathan Haidt wrote a book, I just picked it up. I'm going to be reading it over the next uh, month or two. He wrote a book called The Righteous Mind. And in it, he he discusses how we all are looking for righteousness, everyone in our society, on every side of the political equation right now, as well as every group in society. Um, But he says our righteous thinking, our moral thinking, is not as accurate as we think, kind of like Paul's wasn't. He writes this. Our moral thinking is much more like a politician searching for votes than a scientist searching for truth. Searching for, finding reasons why I, oh, I'm better than others. Oh, well, look at what, Or why other people are worse than me. That's my kind of moral thinking, right? Or it's not, hey, am I really? Where do I really stand? Do I really want to know? We use religion to prove our own worth. We try to make ourselves righteous. (laughs) We're never enough. That's why Paul, the most religiously obsessed man that I can think of, finally said, it's all scuba Let it all die. Let Jesus put that to death and raise in you his righteousness, his gift. The righteousness that matters. And he writes this in Philippians 3, in verse 9. And be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. God gives this righteousness. It has to be a gift. It's complete and whole and perfect because Jesus Christ is completely loving and serving and giving, sacrificing his soul. Sacrificial death and resurrection are all given to you as a glorious gift. That's why Paul says as well about the law itself, not just himself, but he says this in Romans 3.21, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Apart from not just myself, not what I do, but also even apart from God's law, his truth in the law does not give the power to be righteous. It just shows what it should be. But it points to someone who is. And he goes on: This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's Romans three twenty-two to twenty-four. It's a gift. It's complete. It's whole. It lasts. Nothing can take it away from you. It's something that's given from outside of you, something that you are given as a gift, as a promise from God. Thank you, Jesus, because no other righteousness will ever be enough. And your relationship with this Jesus is the relationship that lasts. Our third point. What Paul discovered What we are all longing for, what we're all trying to pursue in being justified, sanctified, enough, complete, whole, valued, accepted, approved, honored, wanted, welcomed. It doesn't come from a principle or a method or a law or a formula or a feeling that we have. It's not experienced as just a thing that I go through. No, it comes in a person, in Jesus himself. He is our righteousness. The new, normal, K-N-E-W, Paul would say you need to know, is Jesus. To be found in him, not to find him, but to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of your own that comes through, but a righteousness that comes through faith. That is a relationship where you say, okay, Lord, it's a gift. Thank you. And you call me holy. You call me forgiven and righteous and precious and beloved. You are trustworthy, Jesus. You yourself are that righteousness. You are an amazing savior. So 2022, like I said, I don't have a clue what it's going to bring because already it started in a way I did not expect. We planned for passion. I didn't plan to get sick. We planned for a lot of things and I've already got to change my plans this coming week. We predicted the end of the pandemic numerous times. We've stated goals to end also all sorts of things. We can plan and strategically plan again and again. They keep getting changed. I love the line where someone said, you know, human beings plans, human beings plan and God laughs. Yeah. We have to keep turning to him. To prepare for what comes in 2022 from, you know, the beginning to the end of this, from January through December and beyond, Well, you don't need to turn to your technologies to know Jesus, to trust him, to find in Jesus, to be influenced by Jesus more than TikTok. That'd be a great goal this year. To be immersed in Jesus more than the media. That'd be a good one for me. To be centered on Jesus more than the culture to become more like Jesus than any politician that I'd ever want to emulate or any sports figure I'd ever follow. And Paul would say then, that's being found in him. And then I think you are prepared for this new normal. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much this day for all that you've done for us in Jesus Christ. For Paul's example here in this text, we are just amazed that he was as good as any human being could ever be, but he knows he's, it's all garbage, scuba lawn, refuse. It's time to throw it away and to be found in Jesus Christ alone. Lord Jesus, you are amazing that you would even come to this world, that you would have met Paul on the road to Damascus, that you would meet us here at this moment, at this time and confront us and say, hey, what are you trying to fool? You know, Who are you trying to fool? What are you trying to do? Why are you so pursuant in your own piety and you miss out on my reality? Lord God, forgive us for how we try to bolster ourselves up. Even the, those like, who follow you already, we still keep trying to pursue our own righteousness in one form or another, our completeness, our wholeness, our, our enoughness. Forgive us, Lord, when we seek after other things instead of you. And this year, Lord, as we begin this year, the most important thing is to know you, to know the power of your resurrection being, being uh, you know, united with you in all things, Lord, to follow you, to trust you, to learn of you this year, Lord. We pray, Lord, um, you know, all the information that's bombarding us every day, how often we get filled with so much stuff That we pursue so many other things, help us to discern (laughs) what's just scuba on and define to you, Lord. To be wise relationally, loving personally, and um, effective, Lord, gracefully in this world. So, Lord God, uh, we lift up to you anyone who is facing um, this uh, season in life now uh, with, with a lot of um, questions, a lot of doubts. The beginning of the semester for students, um, we lift up to you Jeff Blankenship once again and pray for your healing on him. We ask, Lord, that you'd be with Mike Grisky as she continues her healing from knee surgery. We thank you for its success. We ask, Lord, that our, our campus ministry is effective and outreaching to many students, that our congregation is able to reach out, Lord, to this community in more uh, potent ways than we've ever done, that you, Lord, by your Spirit, just show us such favor that you'd be with us always. So thank you, Lord God, for all that you've been doing. We lift you up. We praise you, uh, for you are Our righteousness, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.